And is anyone getting used to change? Yeah, I think we have to, don't we, really, at the moment. And, uh, and we Christians, we can be good at change because we have an unchanging God. Um, and so really what, what matters doesn't change, but what uh, we're doing to serve one another and love one another and care for one another is changing. Uh, of course, uh, with the new restrictions coming in from this Thursday, we're going to have four Sundays where we are not going to be gathering in the building for corporate worship. Um, we are going to be facilitating some aspects of in-person prayer and we'll let you know more about that as, as um, things um, unfold but what we are going to be doing is week by week we're going to be live streaming the church service from this building on our usual online church platform I know the vast majority of the church are currently on there presently anyway uh, but for those of you who have been attending in person that's the way uh, that we're going to be continuing yesterday uh, as a family, we, um, we went on a bike ride down to Birkenhead Park. Um, and, well, t- today I can feel it. Um, but setting that aside, um, we went and we, we took oats, because you go to feed the ducks, don't you, with the kids. And we went down to the, um, to the, the, the lake there. And uh, we got a little spot where we could get lakeside. And uh, it looked really nice. And so there I am with Judah. And we're walking down. And it's like, don't go down the hill like he was about to go down go down the steps because you think you know where you're going you think you know what's ahead of you and so there we are we get onto the first step he takes a tumble and I'm like oh dude I step onto it and I slip and if, if anybody had filmed it, it would have been one of those cartoon slips where your legs go up above your head and uh Erin thought I was going to end up in the water but I landed on my bum does it does it feel a bit like that at the moment you think you know where you're going you think you know where you're going to put your foot But you put your foot down in life, and all of a sudden you find yourself squirming around in the leavings of ducks and geese. It can feel a bit like that in life. I don't know whether it's just me. There's a psalm, there's a verse, isn't there? Psalm 137, verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Does anybody feel like that? How are we to go with God? How are we to worship God? How are we to know him and, and show him in the world in this strange a pandemic land. And what we're hoping and praying is that in the midst of all of these things, look, you might not know where to put your foot next. You might not be unsure. You might find that you've put your foot down in a few places and you've slipped over and, well, maybe it all feels upside down and around and about. But God is wanting to still do some remarkable things in our lives. If you're in the building here, would you stand with me at home? Why don't you stand as well? And we're going to engage with what God is doing. Let me pray for you. God is doing good things. And his goodness and his good things, they're not dependent on how sure or solid your footsteps are. Maybe like me, you feel like you're teetering on the brink of a slipping into the water. Maybe it feels like things are just so strange that you just don't know how to be a follower of Jesus. But come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you and we praise you. We delight ourselves in you. We find ourselves to be um, comforted in you, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, though the world may shake beneath us, we know that underneath us and around about are the everlasting arms of our loving and gracious and powerful God who is strong to save. God, would you lead us today? Not only for our sake, God, but you know there are many people who are finding uh, these circumstances, these difficulties, that they're, they're slipping them and tripping them, Lord Jesus. And there are people we know all around about us who are hurting and 
feeling lost or lonely, fearful perhaps, and we know, Jesus, you are the answer in all things for us, but for our world. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus, why don't you just begin to commit your friends, your families, your neighbors, your society, your world, the countries maybe you come from, just commit them to God. Would you do that? And just quietly in prayer or out loud, however you prefer, just say, God, into your hands, into your hands, Lord Jesus. We commit all these things, Lord God. You are faithful. You are good and you are right and you are perfect in all that you do. God, be glorified, heal, restore, renew. Christ Jesus save oh we worship you and so God our first thought and our first desire this morning is to say Jesus is Lord and to proclaim your goodness God if our hearts are weary if our bodies are weary if our minds are weary this we know God is good and his love endures forever and so we will praise you Jesus we will delight in your goodness God as we journey with you. In your holy and righteous name we pray. Amen, amen. No matter, you take your seat. It's so good to have you here with us this morning. Again, whether you're in the building, whether you're online, we're all here together as a family this morning. It's so good to celebrate God together. Okay, so kids, this is your time. In the building at home, big kids as well, your time. Hopefully, grown-ups got a message sent home and you've got your bits and bobs ready if you're at home. Hopefully you've got a plain piece of paper. You've got a piece of paper that you folded and drew some lines that were quite tricky to draw, but hopefully your grown-up gave you a hand there. And hopefully you've got some scissors. Now then, if you're in the building, you should have been offered some plain paper on the door. And maybe you took it. Did, you, did anybody take some paper on the door who's got their paper? Wonderful. About three of us. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> okay. This morning... We're going to start off with a couple of challenges, okay? And I've got a glamorous assistant to do some challenges with. So, Sam, can you come up? Everyone give Sam a round of applause. (laughs) Again, there's no reason for him to be dressed up, but I found that, so he'll put that on. Okay. Right. Now, you're going to join in with Sam's challenges, okay? So, at home, in the building, get up on your feet for me. We're going to join in. It won't be too strenuous. I promise it's going to be fine. Okay. First challenge. Are you ready, everyone? It's just to do all five star jumps. Off you go. One. Two. (laughs) Beth, you can sit there. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Now you can do all three jumps as high as you can go. Exit. Spin round three times. <laughs> Excellent. Final challenge. Grab your piece of paper. I want you to get your whole body through this piece of paper to the other side. You can, you can rip it in the middle if you want. Uh, okay. Excellent. If you're at home and you've got your piece of paper, have a go. Oh. Oh, well, Sam's already failed. Ugh. Could we do it? Could we do it? Why not? Okay. Oh, it's impossible. We don't like that word as Christians. It's impossible. Okay. What I didn't tell you, actually, is that if you didn't manage to do the challenges... There is a penalty. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I'll save that. I'll just leave that here. 
Okay, I'm going to show you. Now, now Sam said it was impossible. And, oh, sorry, you can sit down, by the way. <laughs> you can stand up if you want. Now, Sam said it was impossible. And actually, looking out, nobody managed, did you, to get through to the side of the piece of paper. It was impossible. But actually, there's someone. And nothing is impossible for them. They can do all things. Does anyone know who that is? Do you know at home? Shout out. Shout out if you're in the building. God, Jesus, nothing is impossible for Jesus. And we're talking about today, later on, about the person of Jesus and the character and what he was like. And so we're going to think about the fact that nothing is impossible for Jesus. Now, Sam, I need you to hold this for me. Hopefully there's a video that's going to come on at home, for everyone at home. And what you need to do is you need to grab your paper that you folded in half and you drew lines on and grab your scissors. Okay, and hopefully you're going to follow the video along. And you're just going to cut along the lines. And now whilst I'm cutting, obviously in the building we can't do that. So whilst I'm cutting, we're going to think about all the things that God did when he was on earth, when Jesus was on earth. All the amazing things that everyone thought, that is impossible. But he did them. We call those miracles. Did you know that, Sam? Now then, Jesus did lots of miracles. Now one, he was at a wedding. And he got lots of gallons of water. And he turned it into something. What did he turn the water into? If you're at home, tell your grown-ups, what did he, what did he turn it into, Sam? Wine. Into wine! Can you do that? No! But Jesus can. I need your... Mo- oh, come on. Okay. Now then. There was another time. And some men were fishing. And they couldn't catch any fish. And Jesus came along and he said, no, try again. And they said, no. We can't catch any fish. He said, no, try again. One more time and I promise you, you'll catch some fish. And what happened when they tried again? They caught some fish, didn't they? Because nothing's impossible for Jesus. If Jesus said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And now there was another time. And Jesus was speaking to many, many people. Some say 5,000. And they start to get a bit peckish. And the disciples said, we can't feed this many people. And there was a boy, and he, and he, and he brought his lunch, some, some loaves and some fish. And the disciples said, no way can you feed all the people with, that fi- with just five loaves and two little fish. But what happened, Sam? He fed all the people. It was a miracle. Could you do that? No way. You absolutely could not do that. And there was another time. Would you believe it? He's done so many miracles, Jesus. Nothing is impossible for Jesus. There was a time when him and his disciples were on a boat. And Jesus was taking a nap, because we should all nap. We should all be like Jesus and nap. He was, he was taking a nap. And then all of a sudden, the weather took a bit of a turn. And there was a storm. <gasps> and the disciples started freaking out a little bit. I'd freak out if I was on a boat and there was a storm. Are you cutting at home? Are you still joining in? Now then, they woke up Jesus and they said, Jesus, there's a storm! Why are you sleeping? And he said, what are you doing? You don't need to sleep. It's fine. I'm in control. He woke up and what what did he do? Tell the people around you, what did he do? He calmed the storm. He he looked at the storm and he essentially said, pack it in. (laughs) To the storm. He said, none of that. Stop. And what happened? It stopped. Jesus. Nothing is impossible for him. He can work miracles now then thank you so much hopefully you've been cutting at home cutting away joining in with me if you can see that video if you can't I'm so sorry now we tried to get through the paper 
We tried and we tried. Lots of people tried up here. We couldn't do it. We said it was impossible. But we know now that for Jesus, is anything impossible? Nothing is impossible at all. Should we try and get you through the paper now? Because he didn't do it before, shall I pie him in the face? Uh. <laughs> there was also no reason for that. I just wanted to thank you so much. Nothing is impossible. The paper. Nothing is impossible for Jesus. Jesus has done so many incredible miracles, wonderful things. Nothing is impossible. And in Christ, with Christ, nothing will be impossible. Thank you so much. Uh, very warm welcome to those who are in the building here. There's loads of you today. And uh, also to those who are watching online internationally around the globe as well. I'd like to pick it up a little bit. Uh, we're continuing with the, the story of God. And this is probably a good point to do a little bit of a recap because you'll remember last week, uh, Pastor Greg brought us up to a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, that is a real word, it means a little pause. And uh, this, this hiatus was a point in the history of the people of God and God's plan for the world that saw him stop speaking into what was going on. You'll remember that we started, we began right back at the beginning with, with Adam and Eve and how God made people to have relationship with. And we know what happened. We know that perfection came to an end because people, Adam, Eve, made wrong choices. We then hear and learn how God continued to work with people, but people continued to go different ways to what God wanted them to go. We looked at the family of Abraham. We looked at what happened with promises being given by God and God's protection and God's provision and God keeping his word. But people not always being so good at keeping their side of any particular deal. We learned how this led to a point in history where the individual had become a family, had become a people, a whole nation. And this, this nation of people that had all these promises from God and all this protection and all this care from God ended up as, as slaves. And then God sent a promised deliverer, a, a man who would lead them out. And through a series of incredible deeds and miracles, the people were set free. And then God continued to work with this people he gave them rules and instructions as to how they should live and how they could be close to him and how they could walk with him. And they weren't always so good at keeping these instructions, quite often choosing to do the opposite to what God was asking them to do. And God continued to send prophets, continued to send people to remind them, this is what you need to be doing. And you went through this cycle of people 
being okay for a while and then making a choice to do something other than what God was asking them to do. And things would go badly and they would end up in terrible situations of oppression, uh, the world seeming to fall apart and then they would cry out to God and God would send a deliverer or in some way rescue them. And this went on until we reached the point where we got to last week where the people went into an exile away from the land that had been promised them, away from the security and the, the provision that had been promised them and they were separated from God. And so, the point we're at today, this has been going on now, not just for a few years, but for 400 years. It's 400 years since a prophet had last delivered a message to God's people, Israel. 400 years is a long time, isn't it? Anyone here, I'm going to say anyone here 400 years old, no. Dennis is close, but most of us, not not 400 years. Do you know 400 years ago today, do you know what was going on? Do you know that the merry-go-round, the very first merry-go-round in the world was invented 400 years ago in 1620? Did you know that, uh, this, I've thrown a few things in for people who you know, might be interested, the, the oldest uh, church in the North American continent started to be built in 1620 in Quebec. There's a little, little bit of Canadian information there. Um, <laughs> the Mayflower set off to America in 1620. Uh, a little bit of family news. The astronomer Johannes Kepler, everyone heard of him, he's very famous, very famous person in history. Uh, his mother was arrested for witchcraft in 1620, so that was probably the front, front page news in those days. Uh, and the Turks defeated the Polish king's army at the Battle of Jassy in 1620. Did anybody know any of these things before I told you them? No? I, I, I googled it, obviously. I didn't know any of these things either. Uh, a lot of stuff that happened 400 years ago, we, we were, don't have any impact on us today. We don't even know it. I didn't know the merry-go-round was invented in 1620. I'm not really that bothered, to be honest, but I didn't know it. Uh, however, the 400 years that had passed for God's people, Israel, these historical events that they were reflecting on were very, very much in their remembrance because they were passed down from generation to generation. 400 years, eight generations, I guess that, that works out as. These things that they'd been through were not forgotten. You had a people that were waiting. They were waiting for God to do something. They were waiting for a promise to be fulfilled by a God who had always kept his promises before. And God had promised them that he would come and put right what was wrong. They knew the world wasn't as it should be. And so they were waiting for God to put it right. We're looking at this story now reaching a critical point. And we're drawing on information from Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, the first two chapters of each. 
400 years have passed since God has spoken to his people. The Israelites, called Jews, have been under the control of other nations for hundreds of years. In that 400 years, wars had swept across. And now they were ruled by Rome, a new power. Caesar Augustus declared the Roman Empire to be an empire around about a BC 30, something like that. So it's quite a new empire, but it now rules over Israel. The most powerful empire the, empire the world has ever known. The Jews were waiting, longing, hoping for the day when God would return and send a king who would save them and lead them into victory. Some tried to keep the law. God gave to Moses as strictly as possible to show the king that they were waiting for him. Others, they thought, well, we'll get in with the Romans. We'll, we'll try and adapt our lives so we could fit in with them and just keep our heads down and get through this. Some reacted to the Roman oppression with, with anger and they thought, right, I'm not tolerating this. I'm not accepting this injustice. I'm going to fight back against it. And some hid away in remote places, in mountains, in remote monastery-type places, and just devoted themselves to worship, but again, keeping their heads down to get through a very difficult time. Everyone was waiting, just waiting. Finally, one day, God sent an angel to a young woman named Mary in the town of Nazareth. She was married to a man named Joseph who was a direct descendant of King David which meant he was descendant of Abraham the angel told Mary she would become pregnant and give birth to God's son even though she was still a virgin the angel revealed that this child in her was from the Holy Spirit and would become a king whose kingdom would never end sure enough the next year Mary gave birth to a son whom they named Jesus which means the Lord is salvation. Not only did God reveal to Mary and Joseph that this son, this boy, was the long-awaited Messiah King, but he revealed it to others too. Angels shouted the news to shepherds who rushed into the town to spread around this amazing development. Not just the people that were there locally a star guided wise men from distant lands to come and worship and bring gifts to this newborn king the birth was truly a miracle Jesus grew in both height and wisdom and was loved by God and by everyone who knew him just while we return to some worship now have a little think put yourself in this story how would you have been waiting for God's promise? Would you have been keeping your head down, keeping out of trouble, fitting in with everyone else? Would you have been fighting back with, with anger, trying to change injustice? Would you have cut yourself off and hidden away and just waited for God to step in and do something? And one other thing to think about. The name of Jesus means the Lord is salvation. What is Salvation. What does that mean? Salvation from what? Salvation from injustice, from oppression? Or does it mean something more than that? Let's continue with some worship as we reflect on these things. So, the people waiting had in their midst now 
this unique human being, this miraculous series of events that meant that a child had arrived in no ordinary way and began to live an unordinary life. Jesus' life wasn't easy. There was turmoil, trouble, not all of it that we know. We know he moved from one place to another. He experienced difficulties that everyone else would have been going through. He lived the same life that the people around him were living. And the people who had all been waiting in their different ways for God's answer have been waiting such a long time with such a yearning and such a longing and such a searching of, of the, the writings of the prophets and the scriptures that in many respects, they didn't know for sure what they were waiting for other than it was God's answer to all that was wrong around them. So we're going to pick up the story now, looking at what we read in the, the Gospels of Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 3, and John chapter 1. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all those now or ask you to read them, but just so you know where to find the story so you can absorb and, and visit it as well and, and just get the fullness of what God might be speaking to you through this amazing story. In these passages, we read that God sent a messenger named John to tell people to get ready because the Messiah was coming to establish God's kingdom. John was a, a cousin, not a close cousin, but a cousin of Jesus, born six months before him. He was a rugged man who lived in the wilderness, ate locusts and wild honey, which is the one fact I think that most people remember about John the Baptist, if nothing else, uh, and wore clothes made out of camel hair. John boldly challenged the Jews. Don't just say you love God. Prove it with your life. Turn from your sins and turn to God. It was a challenge. It was a, a, a word that touched something in people's hearts. People who knew not just that they were waiting for God's answer, but knew that something fundamentally was, was wrong in them. It wasn't just the world that needed something. They needed something. He became known as John the Baptist because he immersed, he dunked people in the rivers who had confessed their sins. So they would come to him in the Jordan River and he would dunk them under the water and it would be a, 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 a step of humbling, a step of repentance. Baptism was a symbol that you were a part of God's true people, of being washed clean from your sins and choosing a new way of living. When Jewish leaders asked John if he was the Messiah, are you the one that we should be expecting? Are you the one that God has promised? He responded, no. But someone is coming soon who is much greater than me. I'm not even worthy, not even good enough to stoop down and tie up his sandals not good enough to be his servant. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you 
with the Holy Spirit of God. Soon after that, Jesus came down to the river to be baptized by John. When John saw him, he said, I'm not baptizing you. I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you. But Jesus insisted. So John baptized him in front of all the crowds. When Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descended down from heaven and rested on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, you are my son whom I love. You bring me great joy. Why do you think, and there's going to be some questions you'll, you'll notice that come up behind me now. This, I think this is the second slide. Uh, just questions for reflection. Again, I'm not going to stop and get you all to answer them, and I'm not going to test you at the end. I, I really would love to do that one day, but it's probably never going to be appropriate, so don't worry, I never will. Uh, why were people coming to be baptized by, by John? You know, I don't think it's a natural thing for people to readily admit that I'm wrong. It's one thing to look at the world and say, oh, look at all these terrible problems. Look at all the injustice. Look at this group of people doing this. Look at these Romans who are doing so much damage. They, they're so far from God. But it's another thing to look at yourself and say, I've got a responsibility here because me not living God's way is a part of the problem that means that God has brought us to where we are now. I don't think it comes naturally to people, to humans, to recognize that. It takes something from outside of us to prompt us, to, to poke us in the right direction, to get us to that place of surrender. So Jesus, who had no need to repent, had no need to symbolically demonstrate that his sin was being washed away because he had no sin, chose to identify himself, to line himself up with, to walk with God's chosen people who'd gone astray. He stepped into the water to show them that they needed to step into the water. He took a step he didn't need to take to show them there were steps they definitely did need to take. But it was important that no one misunderstood what was happening. And so God affirmed this is my son whom I love. What do you think it is that God is affirming so publicly? We're going to move on. This is Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. Immediately after Jesus was baptized, God's spirit led him into the wilderness. There, Satan tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights. During that entire time, Jesus didn't eat, didn't eat anything. He became very hungry. Satan tried to deceive Jesus, saying, if you're God's son, 
Why don't you turn these rocks into loaves of bread? As we heard before, there is nothing that's impossible for Jesus. You know, we know that he's God the Son. No amazing deed is beyond him, and that would have been as nothing. You know, speaking to a rock, turning it into bread, no problem at all. Jesus answered him, no. When God spoke to Moses, he said, people need more than bread to live. They must find their life in the words of God. Satan took Jesus to the top of the tallest building in Jerusalem and said, if you are God's son, if you are God's son, jump off. Your sacred rights and say, God will send his angels to catch you and you won't even hit the ground. Jesus replied, Moses also wrote, do not even try to test God. Next, Jesus took, next Satan took Jesus to the peak of a huge mountain. He showed him all the nations of the world in their brilliance. And he said, I give you all of this, anything you want, if you'll kneel down and worship me. Jesus responded, get away from me, Satan. It's commanded, put God above everything else and only worship him. Then Satan went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Throughout Jesus' life, he never sinned or rebelled against God. He always chose to do what was good and right and perfect. There's a few questions coming up behind me now as well. Again, these are just reflection questions. In his answer to Satan's temptations... Jesus always demonstrated his trust in God as the one true provider. In the goodness of God, he didn't have to look anywhere else. He didn't have to put God to the test. His relationship with God was secure, and he demonstrated how trustworthy God is. But ask yourself this question. How was the response of Jesus different from the response of Adam? How is it different from the response of the people of Israel when they were challenged to keep or not keep the instructions and guidance that God was giving them? And one other thing. From what we've seen and learned about human history and mankind and how we act and behave and live, has it ever happened before that someone lived a life in which there was no rebellion, no failure to keep close, no rejecting of God's words? Let's think on that as we worship. quite hard to imagine what those witnesses on the banks of the River Jordan would have been thinking. This mystery man with all these unique stories about his birth, the announcements around his birth, 
the rumors about who he was, mixed with all these ideas, all this longing for the coming king. And people would have been expecting a great military leader maybe to lead them in the, against the, the, the Roman oppressors, maybe someone who was a great diplomat who could present what should be and change what shouldn't be. But this mystery man, this unique human being, was quite different maybe from what many were expecting. And then we begin to see a, an element of tension coming into what's going on. We're looking at the story in Matthew chapter 4, Mark 1 and, and Luke 5. Not long after that, John saw Jesus coming towards him and yelled out, Look, there is God's Passover lamb. He'll take away the sins of the world. God showed me he is the Messiah we've been waiting for. God's own son. As Jesus walked along the sea, he told some of John's followers, come and follow me. From then on, Jesus surrounded himself with a few close followers called disciples, showing them how to live in the ways of God. Then Jesus traveled throughout the area, meeting in marketplaces, homes, in Jewish synagogues, and teaching people God's ways. He brought a new message to them, saying, The kingdom of God has come. Now turn from your sins and turn to God. Full of the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus healed people with every kind of sickness and disease. News spread quickly about him, and huge crowds began following him wherever he went. People traveled from miles away to be near him and to see the amazing miracles he performed. We heard in the illustration before, thank you, Grace, but thank you especially, Sam, Pai Sam. Uh, we heard how Jesus fed people who it was impossible to feed because there was just too many of them or calmed storms and people saw it happen. So he was constantly surrounded by huge numbers of people. And yet, this incredible man, capable of incredible things, was also so humble in what he was willing to do, where he was willing to stoop to, who he was willing to walk with. A few questions for reflection. Why? Did John say, look, there is God's Passover lamb? I used to think it was maybe some reflection on the gentle character of Jesus. That's not it. We need to remember back further in the story of God and remember how when the people of Israel were slaves and God was sending an angel to deliver them. The homes 
of God's people, the Jews, the, the people of Israel, they were passed over when it came to judgment. And that was brought about by them obeying God's instructions to take a perfect, unblemished lamb and then to take the blood from that lamb and mark their house out from the houses around them. So when John said, look, this is the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb of God, that shouted something out to the people, something unexpected about what type of king, what type of Messiah God was sending them. God's plan was not what they thought it was going to be. We also hear mention in this story now of the Holy Spirit of God. So again, there's reflection questions. Where do we see the Holy Spirit in this part of the story? Where is the Holy Spirit mentioned? How did Jesus' birth come about by the Holy Spirit? Who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted to have that confrontation with Satan when Jesus, keeping God's word, defeated Satan, who up till then had defeated us so many times? The miracles of power. So where do you think Jesus got the power to do those miracles from? The Holy Spirit of God. What do these four scenes tell us about Jesus? First of all, this promised king, this promised Messiah, didn't come down from heaven to sit on a throne of oppression or, or a throne of power and lord it over subjects from a distance like human kings would do. He wasn't just another Caesar that was put in place by God's power or by anything else. Rather, when Jesus arrived, he walked with people and called people to walk with him. Come and see. Follow me. Walk with me. If Jesus was just an ordinary man who had lived and died and been really good and really great but was just an ordinary man, this wouldn't make that much difference to us, I guess. But Jesus, alongside being totally 100% human, living through all the same things that we live through, living through all the same things that people of his time live through, also at the same time remained perfect and sinless because as well as being man, he was also God. God the Son, God's solution to the problem of us and our wrongdoing and our rebelling and going the wrong way was to come into his creation and pick us up because of his love for us. So when Jesus came, 
Yes, he was the promised king, but he wasn't ruling over us. He was walking with us, calling us to himself and showing and telling and enabling us to be and do what we otherwise couldn't have been. God made sure that people knew he wasn't just human. This is my son whom I love. And Jesus never once rebelling against God's word or God's will, living a sinless life, demonstrating through his miracles and his power, even the miracle of his birth, demonstrating that he was God the Son, left people with a choice to make. People wanted to be near Jesus. People were drawn by the miracles. People were drawn by who he was as a person. He was attractive. He was a lovely person to everyone that had contact with him. People wanted to be near him. But Jesus didn't give people the option of just sitting, listening, and liking because he's having invited them close, then said, right, follow me, walk with me, and I'll show you how to live. He taught new ways. Jesus is the key to history, the pivot of God's plan, but Jesus is also calling us still to walk with him because he makes it possible by his power to not follow the path of past failure but to follow the path of God, God's way in God's power we're going to finish with worship but before we do that I'd like to pray Father God I thank you that your plan as we see it unfold is just so amazing it is so fantastic we wait for all kinds of stuff we wait for the Prime Minister's announcement we wait for things to get better we wait for medicines but Lord the reality is however big these events to us now you are so much bigger. And Lord, we have a promise as well. We have a promise and we also are waiting for you, Lord. The truth is though, we don't need to wait to know you. As well as being fully human, you live forevermore, risen, because you are also fully God. So Lord Jesus, we know that right now you hear our prayers, you hear the prayers of our hearts, you see us and you give us the same invitation. Come and follow me. Come and walk with me. Lord, give us grace to do exactly that. To learn these new ways from you. To let your grace and your power do the same things in us that we might be your disciples. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?
And there you have that invitation, as Nick was sharing at the close, to the choice not to follow the path of past failure, but to follow the way of God. It's the invitation that he holds out to us. Uh, Look, whether you're new to Christ Jesus or whether you've followed with him for a long time, and here this morning in the building, if you've got questions or you want to grow deeper in your journey with Christ, then I'm sure I can ask Nick. He'll be available towards the rear if you want to chat with him on your way out of the building. I'm going to be available in the the prayer tent outside, and you're welcome to come and receive uh, prayer uh, as you're leaving online. uh, Please do share your questions. And what I would encourage you to do going from today, um, most especially going from today with the restrictions that are coming into place, make sure you're a part of one of our Transform communities. They're all meeting online. They're all finding ways to encourage one another to journey together in this story of God that's been unpacked for us a little more today. So please do make sure you're a part of that. Additionally, um, you may know that starting this Wednesday, um, we have something called the Bereavement Journey um, that again will be delivered online and it's a a course uh, that is for those who have lost loved ones, maybe over recent weeks or months or even years. And if if that's you and you would like to be a part of that, um, there's some wonderful grace-filled content there that we'll be sharing over six weeks, um, Wednesday by Wednesday. And uh, there'll be opportunity to discuss if you would like to. There's an obligation to do so, of course. Um, So we would invite you to be a part of that. Um, Do connect with us as a church via social media and our um, website or via our church prayer line. The notice will come up on the screen as we close. And we'd love to help you to connect with these things or do chat with Nick or me uh, as we conclude. We're going to um, finish our time of uh, gathering this morning uh, with another song of praise. I'd encourage you to, to, to take part and, and to enjoy this together. Um, and we will look forward to, um, as it were, gathering together online next Sunday. Um, do please connect with the ways that we have of communicating with you. There's so many different things happening as a church um, in light of circumstances. We don't want anybody to, to miss out or be excluded. So God bless you, and uh, we look forward to gathering again. Amen. Thank you. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.